You're listening to Data Center Therapy. Please take a number and an engineer will be right with you. Howdy, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Data Center Therapy. I'm your host, Matt Yeti, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Matt Coslino. Matty, how are you? I'm great this morning. How are you doing? Great, thank you. We are joined by someone who's no stranger to the pod, um, been on here a handful of times in the 80-some-odd episodes that we've done here, but it's always good to have him on. Welcome, Mr. Ryan Grout. Ryan, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me on again. Been, good a, to been, have been you a while, on. yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it could be two weeks, it could be two months, it could be a couple of years, and I don't <laughs> think I'd be able to tell the difference really at this stage. So you just tell me the last time you were on, and I, I believe you. Um, just but keep yeah, rolling. so keeps going. Yeah, well, we're, we're now in, you know, we're about halfway through the year now. So we're coming into the summertime, the dog days of summer are upon us, and we uh, decided to focus in a little bit on um, some of the latest stuff we're doing educational-wise. And we've been... Um, Obviously, reinvesting in our classrooms and training classes, and both gentlemen I have on with me today are, are very intimately familiar with um, that, but today we plan to talk about Horizon, and kind of one of those technologies that's been around for you know certainly a long time, a lot of options out there, but uh, progress continues unabated, and Ryan has updated our, our classes to the latest version, and what is the latest version right now anyway, eight something? Uh, or they call it by 8.9 or uh, yeah. 2302, I think. Have we changed it? Okay, so it's so it's yearly and monthly. Then. I, they do both, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, what's, what's, um, you know, what are you seeing out there with regards to virtual desktops? Are, is that an archaic term? Am I, am I legacy by saying virtual desktops at this point, VDI? No, no, it's still a good term. It's still use, in use everywhere you know it's not just virtual desktops you don't just deliver you know a full virtual desktop you can deliver just applications if you wanted to using you know app volumes and horizons uh app license version that lets you just publish apps you know like like any other app application like an through an rdsh server or you know that through citrix uh, just similar ways to do that. You just publish an application, and it just goes straight to the the end user. When uh, when I'm consuming that, how how's that look? Do I see like do I see the Horizon wrapper around it still? Like when I launch that full desktop, or do I do I see just the app as like its own thing? It looks like it's installed. It it, it looks like it's more native, so okay. you could resize the window and all of that stuff. You know, obviously, if you're using a Mac client. And then you're connecting to obviously either Windows or Linux Windows desktop. You're gonna have that Windows yeah. UI. You can't get around that, obviously. But okay. Or if you're going through the web page, you know it doesn't really break it out into its own window. It it just stays within that browser. What kind of uh, what kind of apps do you see most people like using? Do you, what fits well into that app volume or app app um... EMR applications? You know, like Epic stuff okay. like that. Uh, is always great. Any other, any other homebrew applications? I've I've done a few of those. Uh, lots of you know more enterprisey type applications that that people end up using. Okay, so not necessarily. Um, I guess 
I guess the the follow up then is, do you, do you see more people doing like full on desktops, or is it here's your specific app? Like, what's what's the most consumed piece there? Uh, definitely desktops are still king, but you still do de- deploy a bunch of the uh, uh, published applications. It's just a different license level, also. Okay. So not everybody has the enterprise or the apps licensed version. So okay. I I remember one of the from from an, a VM world like I don't know seven or eight years ago, VMware came out with the um, I think it was. Was it called Project Fusion? I know they have, you know, the the hypervisor client is Fusion, but yeah. they had a project that was like, um, like it was supposed to be a BYOD thing where you could turn on a feature or, or open an app and it's essentially now your work, your work version of your phone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the idea of virtualizing yeah. on your phone was, was supposed to be a thing. I almost feel like yeah, maybe that would have hit or would have been pushed forward, but at the same time, then zero trust and security kind of like slammed the brakes. It did, yeah. It I'm really like, did. whoa, yeah. wait a minute here. That would have been uh, such yeah. a cool technology. I, I tried it out. Way. It was it was neat. But then yeah. another thing is, you know, Android kind of built that separation of work and personal apps out also so that you can just... Have your own, your own logins. work environment versus mm-hmm. your your personal environment. So is there such thing as a secure Android device though? And I'm saying oh, that yeah. tongue in cheek, but I mean it too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean you you have the Samsungs and the the Pixels are are. I mean Samsung has the Knox, which is, you know, a secure enclave type thing that Apple has on all of their devices, stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. the fa- flagship phones are. Are all the the flagships are good, I, yeah. you know, not not the uh, Android phones that are running uh, in OS that's five years old that you can still well, pick up at the uh, at like the phone shop. Yeah, the Seven Eleven prepaid Android. But, but I but I thought the very nature of Android that everybody loves to champion is I can load my own APKs and do this and do that, and that sounds to me like great security. You are on your own. Well, you can do that no? on Mac. Yeah, I mean, you can do that yeah. on Mac. On on iOS, easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But does that mean, you know, security-wise, in terms of... You can't do that on iOS easily, Ryan. <laughs> you cannot. Does that make it more I secure, though? That's that's the argument. Oh, I, think, I don't right. think that's much of a debate. I mean, yeah. Um, the zero-day stuff for all the phones, including iOS, like the... Um, have you read it into some of the, the non-interactive, zero-interaction vulnerabilities that existed um i think i might have talked about it on one of the podcasts but um it basically was in a library that message the messages app and this is specifically ios um the way they attacked it but the messages app you know obviously to display content it's not just text or whatever the you know the attachments images etc everything needs to be received and said okay what is this how am i going to display it to the user and there's like this legacy application, legacy format of image that hasn't been used since like 1978. But the library to display like the modern version of the images carries forward that like like it can still open it if you mm-hmm. need to kind of thing. And these hackers discovered a zero day, like how to exploit and execute code. But it's buried like five interpretation layers down. It's it reading the article and how they actually attacked it and discovered it in the first place is just mind blowing. And that they were able to send a text message that the phone didn't appear to receive, right? You don't see it. It's happening in the background and 
it just it just like opens up the entire thing, and that was that's pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. But, oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's all these nation state, which you know we're not going to be targets of, but you know if we work for government or something, you can very well be the target of one of these attackers. Sheesh. So I yeah. mean, the, the isolated stuff is nice. So from a, from a Horizon standpoint. Right, is it? It's you know you're not going to probably pull up your desktop on your phone, which I know you can. I know there's mm-hmm. docking and things like that. Yep. But chances are you're going to deliver applications that way. That's something that's pretty strong in, in the latest version. Yeah, I mean every it works. It's always worked really well on the phones, to be honest. Uh, either through the client, or you could even pull up your own web browser on your phone and connect mm-hmm. into VDI, and it it's actually the performance is pretty awesome. I think the, well, the one nice. I noticed can... most, most about that is <clears throat> tablet devices, phone devices, touch interface devices um, is a whole different UI. I've I've ended up using oh, some yeah. apps. Yeah, right? So mm-hmm. I've ended up using some apps that were like driven when they were designed to be on a tablet and touched. Yep. And I want to fill it in, fill in these fields with a keyboard and hit tab, 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 and it just doesn't work for that. Obviously, you know, design was, was aimed at a a tablet or a phone type. Of well, it's kind of like, remember, you know, Bill Gates's big thing was windows on tablets back in the mm-hmm. late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands. Yeah. And the OS is, and it's weird. It's Those weird because, um, work like that. well, no. And I think Mac OS is going through a similar struggle, not mm-hmm. necessarily the interface, but the whole UI melding, you know, um, they made the iPhone. It was based on Mac OS, the core Darwin, but it, but they resisted the urge to try to make it pointy clicky kind of thing. And there was this mm-hmm. new paradigm born of dragging and multi-touch and all of this. But now we're seeing at least the UI elements get pulled back into Mac OS and it's killing me mm-hmm. because I don't want this screen to look like an iPad. I don't need it to. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, you know, it's all generational, right? I'm probably, I'm probably losing some 19 year olds who listen to this podcast, but, <laughs> but like, Full screen apps on a desktop computer? No. You absolute child. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? It's called a windowed operating system because you can layer things and move things around. No, mm-hmm. full screen. Full screen. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, though, about that is, you know, Apple's super resistant to putting in touch screens on their actual laptops and stuff where, where it, it could. It would make a difference if but you it had would, that. It would obviously cut into their very large... Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, they sell a lot of iPads, you know, they, they don't want to mm-hmm. cut into that. They, it's, that's weird, right? I, I mean, I see where that point of view comes from, but I've, I think it's more about the usability case though, too. I, I, do you want to gorilla arm it? The whole thing, you know, with, with a, you know, performing your keyboard to your screen. So when I use my, uh, I, I just recently, what last year got a surface and when yeah. I'm using that, I will fairly often do the, do the thumb tappy scrolling around navigating things so if it's there and i can use it easier sitting on the couch than the mm. mouse sure i am wildly comfortable with a mouse it's really that strange too. like to the point where a laptop is frustrating for me because even though apple makes the greatest trackpads out there quality wise they, they drive me bananas oh, they just I, don't compare yeah i like even the the touch a lot of people get like a, an imac with a magic touchpad or whatever they call it right and they they use that no if i'm going to be sitting here I grab this, I can drag it across my my, my lap here, my, my desk, whatever, and it's just, it's, yeah. yeah. Mice are superior, by far. Mice are superior. 
Yeah, and I think you, and it's probably good we don't have a track, any trackball users on this episode because there might be fisticuffs <laughs> right now. Because I think I've talked to a few of those, and they do not pull punches like that. I'd use a little, <laughs> I'd use a little nub. I've, I've used those before. Those are the nub or the trackball. Oh, 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 the like the big ones, not yeah, like trackball, like like yeah, yeah, or, or okay, ones with the thumb. Never yeah. mind. No. There are people who are hardcore, and they. You know, they will, you can pry them out of their cold dead hands kind of thing. I've seen people (laughs) game with those, and I'm very impressed. Yeah. I think if you get comfortable with that, I think the level of precision and control, because you don't have to move your hand at that point, it's static, and your thumb just, you know, of course, then they show up to to order food, and their thumb's three times the size of everything else. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how we've gotten from a virtual desktop into experience with desktops, because, I mean, that. I mean, it's all, it's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So end user. It, end user it's funny you say Epic. Um, I, I'm not obviously a healthcare professional, but uh, that is, um, that's not, or is it, Ryan? Are those the things that you can actually view, like wrist packs imaging? And through, does they do that through no. Epic? Generally, they they're not going to do imaging through Epic because the displays just aren't high resolution enough. Right. There was yeah. uh, years ago, years ago, when I was actually working for the hospital, I recall putting in like, 500,000 color, not color, but 500,000 shade um, black and white monitors mm-hmm. for the yep. imaging department yep. so that they could have that much contrast in all of the images. Um, I always saw the imaging being a different different. Those are not itself. cheap. Those no. are not cheap. No, they weren't. Yeah, and, and technically, yeah, it's possible with Horizon. Um, it, Horizon offers a thing called build to lossless where it displays your image and then automatically fills in all the missing stuff because you know it's it's compressed right so it's not a full image so it'll eventually get to like objects or full full image yeah so that uh they could see whatever would be going on but it's just not a good use case Hmm. just because they can't wait for that you know there could be they're uh, flipping through layers in anomaly yeah yeah and well and and you have to have the uh, that whole end user experience, right? I'm not going to be able to see all of those levels of gray on my phone mm-hmm. or my yep. laptop. Yep, exactly. I need to have a monitor yeah. that can drive that. It, it, you know, those calibrated monitors are so important to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I used to work in a I used to work in a hospital, um, and we were doing a, a wrist packs project uh, at the time, and it's just the uh, the modalities that hook up to it and those monitors, the the resolution, you're like, what do you mean? I, you can do 4K. And I mean, at that point, 4K really wasn't a thing, but mm-hmm. not, not the consumer world, but it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, the, the, I remember them telling the story like, oh, doctors will be able to log in remotely and, 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 and do all mm-hmm. these kinds of things. Um, it Which was, you kind of have impressive. now. Like a lot of uh, smaller hospitals and whatnot will do the imaging and then send it to uh, like an outsourced uh, radiology mm-hmm. department to get red. Well, yep. why not? Right? right? Yeah. You just, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's we your had job the point to point to... radios mm-hmm. between sites. That was mind blowing because at the time it was like 2004 and we were doing gig links over line of sight, like 60 gigahertz radios. <laughs> and, and, and that was, was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. World keeps marching forward, man. Yeah. It does. Marching. So, Ryan, what am I? What am I learning in this? What am I learning in this class here? Um, so, I, I keep it up to date with the latest and greatest versions of Horizon. So, everything's deployed with the 
Horizon 8.9. Uh, no, no external access, right? Because that's kind of difficult to to provide in a lab. Um, but we do. Everyone has their own Horizon environment uh, specific to your own uh, student. So everybody has uh, their own domain controller, their own uh, vCenter, their own connection server, their own app volume server. So they have the full stack that they can use then to to learn how to use Horizon uh, as an administrator. Um, one thing that's really cool is uh, I have the ver latest version of um, app volumes, which I'm not really set up for it in the lab, but a uh, new thing that's available in uh, with app volumes is a new technology called Apps on Demand that essentially decouples the the OS and the application updates from itself so that you could then provide uh, a rolling updates for your users for your applications. So if you have an application that needs to be updated often, you could just deploy uh, updates whenever needed and you don't need to take down your your uh, your pools or your, your RDSH farms to do that. You could just publish as needed. Uh, so it really is on demand, and it's really great because you could do a stack per application and keep them all separated, or you could do the traditional keep multiple applications in an app stack and deploy that. So how does uh, how does um, how does Horizon consume the desktop user space to be able to present just the application? Does it still create a login and run the app inside of a login, or like how does it how does it do that? Well, you could either apply those applications to to an actual desktop that the user is going to log into. So maybe you want to deliver an application that's maybe licensed different than than everybody else. So you just publish that licensed application mm -hmm. through uh, app volumes. So you can either do that on the desktop, or you could create what's called an RDSH farm in Horizon terminology which okay. is a group of RDSH servers that, that would then present your application. You just mount, it would mount that application on one of the RDSH servers and then present just that application to that, that end user. That mounting process, is there like a, a generic VDI user that launches these or does it take my credentials, pass it, it to would the take, It would take server. your credentials, see, see what you're entitled to. So say uh, you're entitled to a, an EPIC uh, application or mm. you know some other license application Ad Adobe Acrobat um, that VMDK or the application is actually just a VMDK uh, y the application set up with like uh, Active Directory permissions so mm. when it evaluates you know if you're a member of this group assign this application and then the agent then mounts the VMDK automatically on either the desktop or that farm for that user so that uh, the applications can then be be used by the user. Okay. okay. And it, it, if I were to look at that farm, it would show me myself logged into that server. Yeah, as a, as you have a session. Yeah. A session. Okay. Not necessarily... Do I... You may not have, like, a full desktop right. on that farm. Okay. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Is like yeah. if I if I went from I'm I'm getting this just single app delivered to me to I went and logged into this environment. Do I then see my app as if it was, you know, always there, always running, kind of a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I didn't realize it did. Yeah, it's that pretty far. neat. Yeah. 
So, Ryan, how long is this a five day class? It's a four day class, and then we we generally have a, a half day on the fifth day or the last day of our class. Uh, that's for office open hours. office hours, open for anybody for any questions or if they're you know if they were behind if they have any questions on some specific lab uh, because I have I think uh, 22 labs uh, to go over in my class. Hmm. I, I think that's a ton of value. Um, I mean you think about you think about getting dedicated time with one of our consultants and you know it's not typically free and, and all of these when you think about the value of what you get on the class and then basically and I remember this from when we had classes in person from way back in yesteryear, but um, it was always neat that you could be at your workstation and, you know, Ryan be walking around and, hey, Ryan, a lot of times, um, let's take the vSphere class, for example, because somebody would, might be VPNed into their environment and they'd have questions. They'd mm -hmm. say, hey, what do you think about this? Or this topic we're going over, how does this apply to what I've got going? You see and the answer is there. The we talk about it. Compare it to the yeah. actual environment, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember before I was an iVoxy employee, I was an iVoxy customer, and I asked about the classes, and I said, hey, does this get me my VCP, this VMware class? And at first I was so disappointed because the answer was no, but then, you know, they explained it to me, and I've since learned that, you know, personally, and I find that our classes are so much more valuable than the 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 class to the test like the, you know the officially because you know those those certainly you're supposed to learn for certification tests but oftentimes it's very much like I just need to get over the hump and get this cert for whatever thing is asking me to get this cert and it's it's not always the best way to learn day to day administration and knowledge and hands on techniques it's more like hey how do I how do I check this box whereas our educational classes are just the opposite uh, you don't get a cert for it but you get that hands on expertise and hey, what do I really need to know to make my job better and take advantage of this tool that we just invested dollars in um, and get face-to-face -face and hands-on communication with the experts in the technology as That's, well. And what's cool, Kaz, is how many vSphere environments have you seen? All of them, right? That, that's, that's, the that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that's, the, that's the thing that doesn't necessarily get uh, talked about. You know, here's this class. Learn about this topic. Learn about this, this whatever. But if it's just me or Ryan going through the slides, going through the lecture component of it, there's not that five days worth of time, right? We need five days to go through it because we're going to stop and talk about, hey, you've got this in your environment. We talked about this topic and how to configure iSCSI. Oh, you're doing it differently? Let's take a look at that. Let's talk about some of the pros and cons of the way you're doing it in your environment. Right, that yeah, kind of or, or you know, it's a lab environment, so if we really needed to, we could reprovision a student desktop. So let's if try you need, that. yeah, let's try that. Let's mm -hmm. if it breaks, you know, we'll just get you a brand new one. It's it's no big deal. And and you know, I, I won't speak for Ryan here, but I mean, I would assume that it's meant to be collaborative and bi-directional in terms of, it would get it very so boring much, if it was just Ryan oh, yeah, or anybody yeah. just sitting up there, just spitting at the screen, just lecturing. So, so. much better when everyone interacts. You got to talk up. Yep. Ask those yep. questions before we get them answered, yeah. And all of those questions really help the other students in the in the class mm -hmm. also. I mean, it's it's very collaborative. Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. So so the class is coming up here. Um, it looks like July 10th through the 14th, so the week of the 10th. So it's the week after um, the 4th. Yep. That's good. So... Uh, are, are you looking all right, Ryan? Are we still good on um, enrollment? We have space still? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have space uh, filling up, so hopefully we could get you know full class. But yeah, it's going to be great. Awesome. It's good to know. So to register, is it a website? They just reach out to your account manager. Yeah, reach out to the account manager. Uh, we have links on avoxy.com also uh, for the class information. Uh, cool. Or if you want, cool. feel free to reach out to any three of us on the podcast and For we'll sure. get you in the right way. Absolutely. Yep. Good call. Uh, do you know who's helping you out, Ryan? Is we usually tandem it, right? We usually do. Yeah. Um, depending on availability, it might just be myself yeah. or it may be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Solo. somebody else, somebody else. Yeah. What happens if the riffraff comes out? How do you bat, bat you know, <laughs> do you have a bouncer? Do you, do you, do you just stand up for yourself there? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've taught the class, five times now, I think. So I'm pretty comfortable teaching it. through it a couple of yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's interesting when, um, when we have, I want to say maybe about a dozen people, it actually makes a lot more sense to have extra help because then you can have two or three people working on two or three mm-hmm. things. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, cool. Gents, uh, it's good to, to squeeze one in here. I know we're I know we're extraordinarily busy here, but it's it's always good to to be able to set some time aside and chat with y'all. Um, we are definitely eager to chat about whatever you all want to hear. So if somebody has a topic that you want us to kind of banter about or talk, or if you want to be a guest, we might be able to work something out there. So you know, podcast at ivoxy.com is um, is the way to reach us there. Um, but yeah, we're we're coming into the summer full steam ahead. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. We have um, launched a new uh, co-managed service called iVoxy at your service, and that continues to evolve in shape. And it's obviously um, not one size fits all, but it definitely is designed to um, make sure that you are in control of your environment, full visibility but with assistance, right? The crutch, mm-hmm. you know, accessing our entire team of consultants on Slack as a part of that monitoring security vulnerabilities for the applications and hardware you have running on your environment, things of that nature. If you want to chat more about that, reach out to, to Ryan, Matt, or myself, you know, uh, we're happy to talk you through why we think that's a really great idea and, and helpful. And really it's a matter of, um, everybody out there has their projects that they're tackling and the fun stuff, right? The good, the progress moving forward. Ah, oh, but the doc is old, but I'm not going to drop this and go back and update this. Oh, I got to update. Um, how many customers I've talked to that are still on vSphere 6.7, which is a no-no, right? But it's I, we all get it. Like, I, like I understand that, why yeah. that is. Or older. I understand yeah. why that is. Um, we can help with that. So, you know, feel feel free to reach out to us. We'll be happy to chat with you about that. Yep. But, Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. Good to chat with you yeah, again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Maddie, and good to see you as well. Yeah, and your smiley, your smiley microphone pad, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Data Center Therapy. Y'all have a great day.